Well, as a parent of middle schoolers, knowing that um, they're in a safe place, able to have fun, but at the same time uh, strengthen in their faith, uh, their walk with the Lord, um, seeing good examples from uh, student ministry leaders, um, it, it encourages me to, to have them um, see that and have that available to them. I think student ministries can help what we can teach them in their head to help it get to their heart because when they hear it from us as parents they view us as preaching and kind of boring and irrelevant and so they can learn it in their head because they have to but for outside people to say it again I think it gets it to their heart and that creates change. Yeah, we can all agree we want to see change in students' lives. In this series, we are asking the question, how can the youth worker encourage and help parents win? Parents place their trust in us youth leaders to provide an age-specific atmosphere where their children can learn about and grow in their faith in God. Many of those listening to this are just as passionate about students as we are and want to see students succeed in their faith. But we have also found that success increases when the parents are more engaged in many habits of the home. Are we considering parents in this equation? Are we resourcing, helping, and encouraging them to win? Today we discuss the habits of the home that help parents do just that, win. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Well, we are very thankful and glad that you have joined us for this episode. We um, are always grateful when we have listeners. To <laughs> We're really happy today about that, that you're here with us. And we are very excited that you have joined us for this episode. If you are listening after the intro Still to this episode, thank you for joining us. Yeah, and last episode we heard from Dan Seaborn in our interview talking about students, parents, families. Incredible interview, great guy. That was so much fun. Yeah, if you have not listened to it yet, go back and check it out. Next episode, we hear from students themselves asking the question, is Jesus too PC for Gen Z? So we're going to get into some research, hear from students themselves about whether or not they feel like Jesus is too PC for their world today. Interested in that. And today, we're going to be dissecting habits of the home, talking about what's going on behind the scenes with parents and students in their homes, what kind of habits, conversations they're having about faith. And as always, you can check us out on YouTube, iTunes, subscribe, The Thought Factory Podcast. We do have a companion blog that anytime that we have research and we interview somebody, you can check out the blog and check in on the numbers even more specifically or what somebody said more specifically. So check that out at neverthesame.org slash blog. There'll be some good links, especially for this episode and some of the research that we will be referencing. So for those of you that really want to dig in more, I want to encourage you to check that out. So one of the things that we do here at Never the Same, our organization that's behind this podcast is something called Claim Your Campus. I don't know if you've heard about it or not. We've referenced different things here and there. So back in 2005, it started with eight students getting together at a high school 
here where we live in Grand Rapids, East Kentwood High School, and I met with them every Tuesday morning. We would pray, and we began to see significant changes in that school, and this dream began to grow of what would happen if these changes could happen in every school, because we know that God answers prayer. And so through that, in 2009, I founded this organization, Claim Your Campus was part of it. Some other things are a part of it now as well. But Claim Your Campus has grown significantly. It's happening all across the country. The last we measured as of this recording, unless maybe it's changed here, is 42 states. Is that 42 states, over 1,000 schools. Where we know Claim Your Campus is happening because of the app. We're able to measure, and we're getting a lot of data on what's happening in schools through the app. So We have a mobile app that you can download on iTunes, Android, any platform you can find it. We spent two years on this app. We've spent almost in the in six the, figures. Yeah, about six figures on the app. And Jason, you've done a lot in developing that. We work with the same company that developed the Uversion Bible app. You've used that. So it is a really a first class app. We're really proud of it. And lots happening through it to change schools. And if you know any schools that you go, man, it would be awesome to have Claim Your Campus be a part of it. Feel free to let us know. Feel free to to go and download the app and make sure that your school is in our database. And the invitation for Claim Your Campus to students is to download the app, to use it, but to meet once a week at their school to pray. And the app really guides them through what to do in that time when they're meeting together to pray for their school. They get to focus on things that matter to them as it relates to their school. We've identified through the app the top 20 issues that are happening on on campuses across America. So again, we want to encourage you if you have influence in students' lives, tell them about Claim Your Campus. There's information on the website, claimyourcampus.com, where they can learn more, and you can become more familiar and help empower students to do this. It's it's really bringing about significant changes. There's so many stories that are happening across the country because of student-led prayer through Claim Your Campus. And I know one thing that comes to mind when I'm an adult thinking about students praying is, is this legal? Yeah, And the biggest thing that we get from adults is going, I don't know, it's not really legal, the school won't let me. Yeah, exactly, because it's student-led. It's completely legal that, that prayer can be led by students. And so this is a completely student-led movement inside middle schools and high schools across the country where these students gather on their own and go through the app and, and learn about prayer, but also pray about specific things happening at their schools. And we're really excited about it. And the last thing we'll say is we do have a pretty significant announcement coming up just within the next few weeks. And as you're listening to this podcast, we'll be talking about it here going into our next season about what's upcoming for Claim Your Campus. So we hope you stick with us on this ride because it will be pretty incredible. And the reason you're listening today is probably because you saw that we are talking about the families and we are essentially talking about the habits of the home. How can we make the, the parents win at home, essentially? Um, today, we, we dive more into the research that we've done with over 3,000 students and adults, hundreds of adults asking various questions. And today, we focus more on the family and their habits and the conversations and the patterns of the home. So from just a few months ago, this research is very fresh. We asked thousands of students these questions. We also asked adult leaders their predictions on how they thought students would answer we will be releasing a report of our findings in our research in early January of 2018. So again, keep your eyes open for that. So here in this segment, we want to talk about what we're learning, what we've learned from students about the habits when it comes to 
to their families and their students. So we asked them the question, do you attend main church services regularly with your parent or parents? Here's what we learned. We learned that uh, of the students that we surveyed, 57% of students said, yes, they do attend worship and church services regularly with their parent or parents. And adults, their estimation was that 31% of students attended with their parents. In a previous podcast in this season, we've mentioned some of these numbers. And the number that we mentioned is 48% say their loyalty to the entire local church is very high. So 48% of the, the respondents of these students say they are very loyal to their local church compared to 12% of adults thinking that these students are loyal to the local church. What's really incredible about that particular statistic is that that's telling us that students, their loyalty is four times higher than what adults think it is, their loyalty to their local church. That's huge. Yeah, the adults have a lower expectation and a a loyalty, lower expectation of a loyalty. That's easy for you to say. That was not easy for me to say. Their loyalty is lower. Yeah, that that is a continuing thread throughout all of our research that we've noticed in the last four years as we've been diving into this with students and adults is that adults generally, as an overarching theme, tend to underestimate students' commitment or their beliefs or experiences. So again, that, that would be true with this one as well. And then we asked students, is it important for a Christian to regularly attend worship services of students said, yes, it's important for, if you're, say you're a Christian, to regularly attend worship services, whereas 36% of adults thought they would, that students would say it was important. So again, uh, over uh, like a 23% difference, a 23% gap between what students are saying it's important. So about 6 out of 10 students, 59%, are saying it's important whereas adults thought it would only be about one out of three students. And here's what we learned. Students are committed to their church and to attending when their parents are involved. So if we want to get students committed to the local churches that we're a part of, getting their parents involved is key. We also learned that if the parents are committed to taking their students to church, then their commitment to their local church is higher students' commitment to the local church is higher. And that's the main reason why we're even going through this series on helping parents win. Because youth workers, we need to encourage, remind adults to keep their own engagement in the local church. So it may be where the middle schooler, the high schooler is starting to disengage. And so there's a tendency that the parent may say, well, I'm, I'm not going to engage either. But they're following the parent's habit their behaviors. I'm going back to a couple episodes ago, our episode on uh, the risk of ignoring students in the church and in our interview with Darren Campbell. And and just want to add on to that as well, that them attending church with their parents is a step. And also other churches also have to realize that another huge step is student engagement, is as Darren would say in the interview, letting the amateurs get involved. And as Kara Powell and the Fuller Youth Institute would say, is keychain leadership. You got to give them the keys and allow them to lead. So getting there to church and getting them with their parents and then getting them involved, those are our real key when it comes to students' commitment to the local church. Another question that we asked was, between Monday and Friday, so five days of the week, how often does your family normally sit down to eat a meal together? That was a question we asked the students. And so I have a question for you, Jeff. 
where are students most likely to talk with their parents? What do you think? Ooh, I would say my guess would be when they're in the car, maybe on the way to school or activities. It, really, the question that I asked before this didn't give you any any indication. You say you're you're going to guess the car. Mm. So I should be paying attention. You, you were not paying this. attention because I guess not. I thought you were going to say Snapchat and then really question your parenthood. Mm, wow. So. So let me ask that again. Where are students most likely to talk with their parents? As a parent, do you think you have more conversations in the car than anywhere else? Mm, I feel like this is a trick question, but I'm going to say maybe it's somewhere at home. Am I getting warm? You are, because this is also an episode on the habits of the home. It's not Mm. the habits of the garage or the driveway or the drive to school. So now I'm going to go a step further and say eating together. You are absolutely right. In a survey... American teens were asked when they were most likely to talk with their parents, and we found that dinner was their top answer. Kids who eat dinner with their parents experience less stress and have a better relationship with them. Now, let me ask you this, Jason. Okay. Depending on where you're raised, do you call it dinner or supper? That's uh, dinner for sure. Is it? Yeah. And you're raising dinner? Well, it's it's dinner because I eat dinner. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, when's dinner, Mom? So if you're listening to this... Hey, dinner's ready. I'm just wondering how many people listening now, they were raised or they just call it supper. I don't know. That seems maybe more of an old school term. I always like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but I find that people say supper too. I just wondered what you thought. So you're thinking that there's a a section of the audience that are disengaged right now because we said dinner and they're going, what is dinner? What is dinner? Dinner's dinner's supper. Some people call dinner like lunch. It's the same. I'm just saying. Oh, is it is it soda or is it pop? I call it soda. There you go. So some people would say breakfast, dinner, and supper. That For real, just doesn't sound right. I know, but I don't want to. I don't want to exclude anybody in this audience that think that they're going to have dinner. I mean, supper later. Yeah, they might. So children who eat regularly dinner, supper, family dinner, supper also consume more fruits, vegetables, vitamins, and micronutrients, as well as fewer fried foods and soft drinks, which causes the student to be healthier. The dinner atmosphere is also important. Parents need to be a warm and engaged rather than controlling and restrictive to encourage healthy eating in their children. This is all pulled from an article from the Washington Post, and this article will be on the blog, the companion blog to this podcast, and you can check it out there. So I want to make sure I heard that right. You said that for families that eat regularly together for dinner or supper, whatever you call it, they're actually eating better food. Is that right? They're eating better foods, consuming more fruits, vegetables, the vitamins, micronutrients. Yes. So as we're talking about habits and things, what about when TV's on, when they're eating? When the TV's on, all bets are off. In the study as well, found that American kindergartners who watched TV during dinner were more likely to be overweight by the time that they were in the third grade. So TV is not the same as having dinner as a family together. It, you may say, yeah, we're, we eat dinner together, but we're all watching TV. It, it kind of all bets are off on this study when you turn the TV on. So it's important to not have the TV on. It also affected positivity with students. So when meals were eaten together, it was strongly associated in these studies with students and adolescents having more positive moods, 
for those who dine regularly with their families and a more positive view of the future compared with their peers who didn't eat with their parents, which is interesting. Yeah. So our research, we found that when we asked students, how often are you sitting down to eat meals together in a typical Monday through Friday, 47% said that they did that four to five times a week, almost half. I was really surprised by that, actually. That's a pretty good stat, but only 9% of adults thought students sat down and and ate dinner. Now, that is crazy because what adults are saying is they thought that only about 9%, so roughly, I'm going to, you know, estimate here, about 10%. So they only are thinking that one out of 10 students are eating meals four or five times a week with their families, but students are saying about half, again, of what we researched, one out of two are are sitting down four or five times a week. That's a massive difference. Yeah. 25% are only eating dinner, supper, whatever you call it, one time or usually don't eat together at all. So half of half, so a quarter of students that responded eat only one time or never with their family. And that's something to consider when we think about the families that we work with. So it seems like, you know, the, it's the haves and have-nots. So about half are saying, we eat regularly, fairly often, that's a habit of our family. But then one out of four saying, that never happens in our family. So something to think about and to consider. We are not sure, but asking the question, are adults' perceptions that families are worse off and not having meals together play into the view of needing to be more primary in the role of discipleship? Wow, that's a great thought to think about, that if... If we as adults are projecting that they're not really maybe getting their discipleship needs met, even just through looking at the stats of eating together, then do we need to play more of a primary role? Or maybe we do in some cases, but we don't in many other cases. Also with this article that we've been referencing, there's one more important thing. In addition, a stack of studies link regular family dinners with lowering a host of high-risk teenage behaviors that parents fear. The smoking, the binge drinking, the marijuana use, violence, school problems, eating disorders, and sexual activity. And so in one study of more than 5,000 Minnesota teens, I didn't know there was that many teens in Minnesota. Oh, now you're alienating our listeners in Minnesota. Nice. Maybe they all say supper, too. Yeah. eh? Researchers concluded that regular family dinners were associated with lower rates of depression and suicidal thoughts. In a very recent study, kids who have been victims of cyberbullying bounce back more readily if they had regular family dinners. Family dinners have been found to be a more powerful deterrent against high-risk teen behaviors than church attendance or good grades. Wow. That shows how important family dinners are. So those of us working with students and families, if we want to help parents win, one real simple thing is to help them understand that sitting down to eat meals together will make a behavioral statistical difference in their family. Even two to three times a week has a higher rate of success. Hey, Dan Seaborn here from Winning at Home. I've had the privilege of being friends with Jeff and Jason. Uh, Jeff, known as a youth pastor comrade for many years, Jason effectively uh, made a difference in my daughter's life. Let me just say something. This thing they developed, the NTS camps, never the same. I believe that statement's so true. These guys are pouring their heart and soul and to make a difference in the lives of teens and effectively in the lives of parents as well. And I want to encourage you, 
I endorse them fully. Get your kid to these camps because if they go there, they won't be the same. They will come home with a different attitude, different spirit. Everything you're looking for, that's what they're going to come home with. And so I challenge you as a parent. I challenge you even as a teen. Consider it because I believe this will make a mark for the kingdom and a mark in your life. Check it out. I highly encourage you to pursue this because I believe it will be effective in furthering the walk of your family with the Lord Jesus Christ. In the last segment, we talked about the habits of the home and the families and and allowing parents to win. This segment, we want to talk about more of the conversations in families with students. And we asked students how often they are having conversations with their parents about God and or the Bible. How often are you having spiritual conversations about God with one or both of your parents? And the results that we got were 34% of students are having conversations around one time a week with parents, which in the last segment, we talked about how important the meal was, the conversations that parents are having with their children around the mealtime. Children are saying the mealtime is really the top choice of when they are having conversations with their parents. And so we are associating the mealtime also with conversations. Do spiritual conversations happen uh, with their parents? And 34% of students are saying yes, at least one time a week. And I would assume that could be at the meal. Yeah. We also, in our research, we ask adults the question, how often do you think students are having conversations with their parents about God and or the Bible? And while 34% of students said they were having that conversation once a week, only 11% of adults thought that students were having that conversation once a week. So what that means is students are three times more regular in having those conversations than what adults think they are. So based on all the stats, roughly 60% are having conversations regularly, which means 40% are having conversations little, if ever. And so it's, it's a pretty even divide, even though more are having more regular conversations. So looking at the adult side of things, the, the percentages are the mere opposite. So adults are saying and thinking that only about 40% of students are having regular conversations and 60% aren't which was the opposite of students. So again, um, a little bit of a misperception there from what we understand as adults in the world of students and their lives with their family. So we asked students, do you have any patterns of intentional family discussions about God and or the Bible? And I was very curious about this because I've always wanted to know the answer to this. How many kids out there have parents who are intentional about having regular conversations? And here's what we found. Only 12% of students say that their family has any regularity or intentionality. What that means is only 12% of students out there are saying, my parents are intentional and, when you and say, regular. When you say intentional, you're, you're meaning not necessarily just around the meal, but the parents are gathering their, their children and intentionally going into the Word or discussing topics of, of faith and God and and just going, what are some things that you're wrestling with? What are things that are going on in your life? And how can the spirituality of our faith apply to their lives and, and the truth of the scriptures apply to their lives? That's, that's what we mean by intentionality, not just happen to come across some circumstance and then just speak into that circumstance, but bringing your family around you as a parent and, 
and having those conversations. And this means our work is really cut out for us as youth workers. Two episodes ago, we talked about this idea that parents are the primary disciplers of their kids, and it's our job to come alongside parents and help them just as much as we're helping students. And here's where our work's cut out for us as youth workers, because this statistic reveals to us that 88% of parents aren't having any regular spiritual conversations. And I could speak to that as a parent and say, a lot of it is a lack of confidence and resources that parents are familiar with. They need resources to help them. And I can tell you as a parent that we'll sit down and simply just read the Bible together. And for me, that's probably easier than most, I would assume, because I have a college and seminary degree, and so discussing the Bible is very familiar to me in my life. But I can tell you a tool that I've used and that a lot of parents have used, and it's something that I developed a long time ago with students and parents, and it's what we offer now in our ministry called Soul Exercises. And although it's geared for students— and it's a pure Bible engagement, it's not curriculum, it's an operating system that ministries can use, and the the number one, really the primary, the focus of this whole thing of soul exercises is getting students to read and engage the Bible throughout the week. But in doing that, I adopted that as a parent into our family. We would sit down, and, and we still do. We regularly look at the word using the tool of soul exercises. That might be something that you're interested in as a ministry, or to even offer as parents, or I think here is something that would really be amazing to think about, is soul exercises as a bridge and something that you use with your students in your ministry, but parents use it as well in discipling their students and getting their kids in the Word and bringing those two worlds together. So what you're saying is, as a ministry, use soul exercises, and as a leader, go through all of that Bible engagement material, but also promote it to the parents and say, we are going through this six-week guide. Maybe as a family, you could also uh, once a week, twice a week, be able to open up that same guide and walk through some of these questions with your child or children. It's based on reading a passage of Scripture. It might be a verse or two, or it could be a handful, sometimes a little bit more, and a question or two to go with it. And this is something that Soul Exercises provides that resource for five days out of the week. And as as a family, here's what we did. We would read the passage and read the question and then all just respond to it. And what was amazing about it is we've got kids in the span of eight years in, in age difference. And no matter where we were, even as adults, we were all able to engage on our own level around the same scripture and the same questions, which I have found to be very effective for us in just getting our family discussing not just the devotional or topics, but actually discussing God's Word, not having to have any training or background, just reading it and responding to these questions. And Soul Exercises is not a devotional, where you read a passage and then some inspirational written text that you just read and just kind of contemplate on. It's not something that's two minutes long and you just do it. It's more of engaging in conversation and allowing you as a family to talk about spiritual topics and engage the the Word of God. And being able to do that as a family, like you said, on multiple levels, as a, a child, as a, an adolescent, as a, a young adult, as an adult, and being able to engage it together, that's something that's special about soul exercises. You know, years ago when, when this whole 
platform began to emerge as I began to write it with some other people, I became passionate, and we did, about getting our students in the Word, getting parents involved. And I can tell you, we've used this resource. It's been under some different names over the years, but using it, I saw it change our whole ministry. And I think these days, more than ever, we have a saying around here in our organization that curriculum doesn't change lives, but the Bible does. I know what makes soul exercises stand apart is what it does to get students engaged in the Word. And what I've seen it in my own life do with parents and many friends of mine have used as well. So if you're interested in that, you can go to the website soulexercises.com, check it out. And Lindsay on our staff could talk to you about that. Now, you may think, oh man, you guys just went out of your way to make this an infomercial. No, we really didn't. This this emerged as we were looking at this data, but realizing that 88%, way more than I thought, of parents aren't engaging. And I know just from my discussions, we don't have data on this, but I think that number's so high because parents don't know where to start or where to go to do this, and they're intimidated. And I know even sometimes I am, and I've been a pastor. So we want to provide that resource. And we started this podcast, Thought Factory Podcast, first episode, first season, solely on this topic of students have told us in our research that they just don't know where to start with engaging the Bible. They want to, they just don't know where to. And Soul Exercises was really kind of birthed out of that idea many years ago. But by asking this question, these students responding, it's it's telling us that there is hope, that there is an on-ramp to getting these students engaged in the Word of God and and ultimately changing their lives and transforming their behaviors and their thoughts on on who God is and who Jesus is in our lives and how we can be how we can live and everything like that. And so if you were to just listen to this one episode and not really know our hearts, you may think that it's just a, a selling point, but it's not. It's who we are and it's just why we exist as an organization. We love the Bible. We love prayer. We love students. We love being involved with youth ministry. And that encapsulates us as an organization. And so in this podcast, while we are talking about Bible engagement and soul exercise. It's not because we made it and we want to sell it. We made it because we want to have a resource to help adults, help uh, youth leaders, help parents, help students engage with who God is in our lives. And so in this last couple episodes, we've been talking about how do we help parents win. And in this episode, we've learned that a lot of it, it's all about habits and conversations. And we as youth workers need to be intentional to help parents be intentional. So in your intentionality of working not just with students, be very proactive, be very strategic in working with parents, and don't just tell them what they need to do, but resource them. Well, we've mentioned soul exercise, but there's lots of other things. We've, we've mentioned a lot of resources in these last couple episodes. I think about um, some of the resources about helping parents discover and really develop their priorities when it comes to sports we mentioned a website and two episodes ago which you should go back and check that out if you haven't but be intentional help them to develop these habits and we've realized in this episode jason that that just sitting down and having conversations over a meal together is huge and that's one easy practical step right there The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.